0: to the Fan Fiction Tapes. I'm your host today, Maya, pronouns she, her, and today I am joined by...
1: I am pronouns Dylan. My name is he, him.
0: I am
2: Michael, pronouns he, him. And I am our producer Ian, pronouns he, him.
0: Our topic for today's episode is dramatic irony, and this is something that It's talked about a lot, and not always everyone knows. I know, actually, when I was in high school, this was a constant source of contention. And we had a little bit of a moment just before we started recording where we clarified what dramatic irony actually means. And it's not necessarily something that is actually ironic, but it's really more the conflict between the knowledge and actions of a character, and what we, the audience, knows. Kind of for an example, one straight off of Wikipedia that's a pretty decent one, is in Macbeth. King Duncan, upon arriving at the castle, he compliments it. However, by this point, we already know that Macbeth and Lady Macbeth have been plotting to kill him. So while he's stopping to smell the roses, there's a knife out.
3: So to speak. Fun scene to act. Have you gotten to act it? In high school, yeah. Neat. I, yeah, that
0: probably would have been really fun to see. Unfortunately, I only ever read Macbeth. Uh, I've never actually really gone to a play.
3: The big part of it, at least for acting wise, is if you are, you know, the guy about to be stabbed, you are hamming up the optimism, just the beauty of the situation. If you're playing Macbeth again, you're you're playing for the audience, you're hamming up the fact that he doesn't know, I'm going to stab him a ton of times. And it's part of just creating the in-group for the audience that they're in the know already, and therefore creates further tension. Uh, So should we talk about what dramatic irony is then? Yeah, it's, I mean, really the
0: most fundamental component of it is that The audience knows something that the character does not. Sometimes this includes the actions of a character, you know, taking actions to uh, save someone's life who's already dead. That's actually a terrible example, but that's uh, all that came right to mind.
3: Should we talk about a really famous example of dramatic irony, that being Oedipus Rex? Go ahead. So for those who do not know, of course, Oedipus Rex is the famous story. That became a psychological idea uh, that is completely wrong, uh, but in the story of Oedipus Rex, uh, a king of a Greek city is told by Oracle that uh, his, he's going to kill his father and marry his mom, and he's like, I cannot allow this to happen, I need to leave as soon as possible to avoid this fate. And doing so, he travels and runs into a, a wealthy man, and, but again, they squabble and Oedipus kills the man and then later on goes to a different city and marries the mom. The audience learns about halfway through the story uh, that Oedipus was adopted and that the man he killed and the woman he married are his parents. And so the, the last third of the story is simply just seeing Oedipus finding the sow and eventually tearing out his own eyes. Uh, so as part of that dramatic irony is just we, as the audience, already know the twist that the character's going to find out. And the benefit of it, we're trying to see, is how does the character react to this already shocking news that we know? It puts you, it puts you the audience, into the in-group instead of the out-group. And it basically is you are sharing the secret with somebody else now. It helps create uh, empathy at times, just, yeah, create more tension. There are a lot of different strategies to it.
2: I'd just like to mention... Oedipus Rex has now been mentioned on every episode this month so far.
3: That's (laughs) It's a really funny story. (laughs) When you think about it, like, if you are Oedipus, just don't kill anybody and don't marry an older woman. It's very simple avoidance of fate, but... Avoid, avoid, avoid. It's
0: (laughs) really easy logistically, and yet... Gotta love the Greeks. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's, I suppose, one of the things about hindsight is, yeah, we can always see um, exactly how to avoid what
3: had happened to this other dude. And so with that, again, what dramatic irony is, is just, as the audience, we find out for the character and how their actions lead to that final result. Which, I do a lot of Dungeons & Dragons, I, I DM a lot. Uh, I've been running one campaign for four years now, uh, and what I do a lot is I actually will have like little out of game moments where I'm describing a scene elsewhere that helps set up a plot twist in the future For my players, they get more in the know and it helps them feel more involved with the story uh, while they can still then react as their characters when the scene comes up, and it helps create a lot more dra- you know dramatic moments and just keeping them more involved in the story. And that is the benefit of dramatic irony in that case, is keeping them involved while still having the twists and turns.
0: That is a really interesting technique. Actually, I am definitely going to steal that and use that in my games.
3: I enjoy doing it. It just helps create a lot more emotion and tenseness and future scenes. Uh but very importantly, so dramatic irony, of course, is, you know, giving information to the audience before the actual character as a way to create. You know, emotion, tenseness, gi- dramatic tension, of course, uh, but what is not dramatic irony and some more what is not irony, I think is very important to talk about because <laughs> there's a lot of misconceptions. Yeah. Uh, so if I can leave with that, I'm, I'm going to first get on my little soapbox here and say I blame Elena Morissette for the misconceptions of what irony is in modern day. Uh, for those who do not know, Lana Morissette, famous 90s artist, made a song called Isn't It Ironic? And, you know, old man turned 98, won the lottery, died the next day. Flag, black fine your Chardonnay, it's like the first verse, death row pardon, two minutes too late. It's situationally like really unfortunate. It's coincidental, but it's not irony. Irony is not just an opposite thing happening that you expect. Irony in a lot of ways, is an action being that's happening, uh, and because of that action occurring, they still get the opposite effects. Uh, in this case, it is pulling the fire alarm because you're trying to save people, but actually outside is dangerous, and you don't realize that. Uh, and so, dramatic irony again, what it is is that it's not just oh here's a little secret is it's oh here's a secret that's going to directly affect the character actions but they don't are not aware of how it's going to be affected and it's actually going to hurt them in the long run and i think some great examples of that also do come in horror uh maya you mentioned very beginning of this that you know trying to save someone but they're already dead that's in a lot of like horror media as well just like you're trying to kill the demon like you know kill the demon banish the demon but it's actually the um ritual that's going to su- like you know fully summon them to full power. You know, that is part of irony. But again, dramatic is making sure the audience knows before the character.
0: Yeah, uh something that you talked about right before the show was a superhero who through their own actions uh creates more uh villains. Which is ironic, they're trying to, you know, do right and save people, but actually in the end they're harming more people isn't inherently dramatic irony if this is something that the audience learns it in most cases of how i can think to implement this this would be something that the audience would learn before the hero so we can feel that anguish at no you fool stop doing this
3: yeah and, and but that's it's not so that, you know if yeah. it's
0: if that's something that's revealed to us at the same time it is to the character um then that's not quite dramatic irony because we don't know it before
3: the character. Yeah, absolutely not. And that is, again, part of it is that you... And this is, again, for writing especially. You need to reveal it before the character knows. And there are good and bad ways to do it, and there are strengths and weaknesses. But it has to be the person finding out before the character. So, when we talk about dramatic irony, obviously, Macbeth, Oedipus Rex... uh, I think, like, some good notable uh, uses of it are, of course, just in horror especially... I think, I'm trying to think of the exact movie, but in a lot of slasher movies, especially um, the setup of a kill or, you know, again, trying to go through the scary house when you already know it's too late for them. That is, again, part of the dramatic irony. It's already too late. It's already too far gone, but...
0: Or splitting up.
3: Yeah, or splitting up, right?
0: They, you know, can see that... Oh, there's something here. Let's split up. Try and find it. When you know that they have safety numbers, and that just splitting up, well, it's gonna make it easier to pick off one of you, and just each one at a time, whittling down your safety numbers till there's only the final girl standing. Exactly.
3: Yes. And so I think I think horror in general in media can, is a good way of exemplifying a lot of good uses of different tropes and. uh Uh, I guess, like, works of literature, again, irony, dramatic irony, situational irony, all great in horror, love, fear, anger, stories of revenge. Um, I think, too, though, when you think about dramatic irony, a lot of (laughs) rom-coms have pretty good dramatic irony in it when you think about it.
0: (laughs) I must admit to not watching many rom-coms. The closest I can think to a rom-com use of dramatic irony is a bizarre French magical girl show that, um, it's a show, all right. Well,
1: luckily, you have the romance slut right here. Hello.
3: (laughs) Yes, I mean, if you want to take control of this, you know what I'm talking about in terms of characters talking, the misconceptions that happen... And as the audience, we know the misconceptions already. And what we're waiting to see now is how those misconceptions get resolved or, you know, further spiral out of proportion.
1: I mean, I watch sort of the king of that, which is Kaguya-sama Love is War. That anime is insane for its dramatic irony and, well, all blanks of comedy. It's hilarious. You have two people who are so prideful that they don't want to confess to each other even though they have mutual attraction. It's amazing the lengths to go to to try to make the other one confess.
3: Absolutely, yes. And I guess with that too, you pointed out, comedies in general, I think, do a really great job with dramatic irony. Because of that, like, just... We know and we find it so hilarious that the situation is just completely out of proportion or is being avoided for whatever reason, how they're going about doing it. Uh, and I still think using dramatic irony in comedy is a really strong way to use it in order to get that real, like, you know, genuine laughs and genuine ex- emotions to come out from your audience as while still revealing things about your characters. As you mentioned, love is war. Uh, you know, they're trying to get each other to confess and just seeing how far they'll go just really, exemplifying their characters in those moments, you know, even though you already know how it should go. Now, there are great uses, ways to use it, but I think again, some flops to it as well, which is really important. Uh, one so being, and I had have discuss this a little bit earlier, you know, before we started with Maya, basically the retcon, I do air quotes, the retcon dramatic irony, uh, where it's like, a fact the audience has known for a long time, or you know something that was like kind of a side thing and then the author treats it as like a oh but actually this thing that has been known about by every other person no longer is known about in a way and that, the issue is with this is that i've read it before in like bad fan fiction i forget the stories was <laughs> awful of me uh, you know it's like oh this is like a well-known fact in the canon that everyone knows about and then pretending like Someone doesn't know about it or it was never revealed. And then using that as the irony. Uh, But I do also think too dramatic irony for story writing. Memory loss is a really fun way to do dramatic irony in that you have your character who's well established. You learn about their lives and all that. And then you give them memory loss. So you, as the reader, kind of already knows their story, their life. But you need to watch them now, try to relearn it, try to regain it. See how this blank slate reacts to finding out the person, of finding out who they are as a person. Which I think Fallout New Vegas is a great example of this. Technically, like inter- not an example of just like, uh, like irony, but still like learning about your character with the character. This way, you can see how they react to oh, I did this. You know, in past events. And so with that, as a writer, the benefit is you can basically like, they did this, and then as a neutral party now, no longer the actual acting party, how they feel about that action.
0: That is actually a really interesting way of resolving a problem I had been thinking about with uh doing dramatic irony is if you have a one perspective uh first person story. It's really difficult to do dramatic irony unless you are relying upon established knowledge of our established knowledge in our world, because you can't really tell the audience something. In a separate manner from communicating it to the character, that's very difficult, but you can just tell it to the character and make them forget it.
3: And so, with that, I think I was thinking about like first person dramatic irony for a bit before starting today because, like, how would you do that? And I think a great example of that is Rick Riordano's, like, you know, can, like, you know, the Canes and like the Roman God series he does of like teenagers who are actually the descendants of gods. And so, like, in familiar, the Red Pier- yes. So, in the Red Pyramid, right, you were following uh, the, uh, the siblings that are turned out they're actually descendants of pharaohs. And they have magical powers. And so each chapter is told from the point of view of one of the characters. So it's, you know, first person for that character. Because of how it's written, you can kind of get the dramatic irony of, we know from this person's experiences, seeing how they feel, situation, in the next chapter, this person has no idea about that. And We have to be like, how are they going to react to the scene? And I feel like it's a really strong way of doing first person if you're willing to jump between characters, because you're still, you know, giving the inner dialogue, but you know, you, you know what everyone knows, but you are aware that not everyone knows what you know. And again, it helps build that little bit of like, Oh, they don't know about this secret uh, love this character has for them or this anger they're burning up inside about because you can hear in their mind. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I um actually was reading a <laughs> Percy Jackson fic right before the recording, uh, <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is a really cool way to deal with dramatic irony using this element and plot point from uh, the fifth book, mm-hmm. but Riordan couldn't have played with this because the original Percy Jackson books were all only Percy's perspective in first person. Yeah we never got anyone else's thoughts until I think really until he started doing the pyramid books where he would experiment with other people's perspectives. And he kept that up in the later books.
3: Uh, I do have the opinion, which I don't think is a hot take of Percy Jackson series is like his weakest series with like the canes. And then like the, the Romans being a lot better written because of that changing of first person perspectives.
0: Well, it's, I mean, that's, that's where he really started out. Um, and also a lot of the mid uh, like the, the middle of the Percy Jackson books. He very clearly didn't have much of a plan and was just kind of, uh, oh, this did well, and this made a lot of money. I should keep doing it. Yeah, uh, which is fair. I can't say I blame him, uh, but it, I think it did kind of impact the quality of the work a little bit for a while until he figured out a. More of an idea of what was we going on. Book
3: five, and I was like, "Okay, I have to figure it out." <laughs> yeah, have you read the uh,
0: the Norse books?
3: I have not. I have the first book. My mom bought it for me for Christmas a few years back. Never touched it.
0: <laughs> okay, Th- those are actually bangers, though. Yeah, strong recommend.
1: One uh, talking about like memory wiping, like your POV character. One of the most interesting ones uh, I saw was. Uh, re-zero part of arc arc section the main character who has been isekai into another world resets his memories to like the moment he got I- isekai into the world and he had been there for like a year and a bit at this point <laughs> Interesting. So, it's so insane and he's in the middle of like <laughs> this quest in a magical tower to find, like, this answer (laughs) to, like, save a bunch of people who were transformed. And suddenly, he doesn't trust anyone. Like, these are, like, some of his closest allies. And because one of his, um, his main ability is every time he dies, he goes back to, like, a certain point. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't even understand that concept when like, until it's happened a few times to him in this form. And then he starts thinking, well, who keeps killing me? I better start killing everyone else before that.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: And, you know, it's, it's like a crazy arc. And as I described before, Re-Zero is a story that makes me very emotionally, uh, hired every time i read it but it's great i love it no other story gets me like that does
0: (laughs) let's talk about some strengths and weaknesses of dramatic irony
3: i mean i've said it you know throughout this uh episode already the biggest strength i think uh at least one of the biggest strengths of dramatic irony is you are getting your audience more involved you are literally sucking them into the story to an extent like you are giving them the advantage of knowledge, and the psychological effect of that makes them more invested in seeing the results of it. They're now in the know, and the character isn't. And therefore, they—it's like the human need to share secrets, since they want to see how that person actually reacts to that secret they already know about. Yeah, and so I think that's a for like a writer's perspective how you get audiences to be very involved with your stories. <laughs>
0: I think that actually also ties into what I think is probably the biggest weakness of dramatic (laughs) irony is that uh, too much use of it could get really frustrating uh, for the readers and cause (laughs) loss of engagement. You gotta be strategic with when you do it because if the characters are just not informed about anything or just really stupid, it gets annoying. You're like, ah, come on, get it. And while that that frustration in limited doses can drive engagement and get you to get the story to sink its claws deeper in you. I was making gestures there for a while, but not saying anything. Too much of that, you can kind of get almost a burnout on that feeling and actually repel readers of just, oh, you know, you're never going to get payoff or this is just happening all the time. And so it can be a little... A little bit of a double edged sword there we go
3: i, I fully agree with you if that uh it is and I was thinking about again like where are some weaknesses it is one the overuse of it and depending on the media how obvious you make it like for example in, in like Macbeth and Oedipus Rex you want to make it obvious that this is like a dramatic iron like there's there's dramatic irony occurring this is a Big, you know, you're really trying to get the uh, people involved, like the audience involved with the events occurring. But if it's, you know, something that's trying to be more subdued, if all of a sudden, you know, the writer's winking at the camera, telling, hey guys, keep this in mind for later, it takes, it, it does the opposite effect of getting the audience involved. It kind of can take them out instead. Because now it's just like, oh, well, there's just this plot twist a million miles away, or it's like, you know, it's not, it doesn't feel as clever, so therefore it's less satisfying. And so you need to be careful of considering your audience and the genre you're working with when you're presenting dramatic irony. Because you want to be obvious sometimes, but also sometimes you need to be more subtle with it. I don't know if you would agree or disagree with that, Maya.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. And I had something I was going to say, and in those last 30 seconds, it just went out my brain.
3: I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think another strength of it, too, though, from purely the writer's perspective, like I guess this is more for the writers themselves, it's just a good way to kind of just work on your storytelling, you know, in different ways instead of just having a completely linear story, you know, how you can throw in different elements. Uh, to keep it at least interesting. It's not A to B, it's A, you throw in C in the middle, this like little extra detail, and then you see how it actually affects B. And so as a writer, just a good way to kind of practice your writing is to use dramatic irony, get good at it. Um, It's hard to be good at it the first time. Uh, My, again, it, it takes a lot of practice. So even just for a good stories so just getting good at dramatic irony even if you don't use it a lot is still a good way to practice telling your stories
0: also something you mentioned earlier i i remembered what i was going to say and it kind of ties in with this as well not everyone is going to catch every hint you lay out yes. Yeah, that's just you can be a, the perfect writer no one will ever surpass your writing ability and A lot of people won't catch everything you put down. I don't catch everything that authors are putting down in the works that I read. I catch some of it, yeah, but I don't catch all of it. Nobody's going to. And so you you have to accept that, one, you can't hide anything from the internet. (laughs) And two, you cannot expect everyone to get everything. And don't worry about that. Uh, I see a lot of starting out writers you know, worry about... Being both clever enough and not being too obvious. You shouldn't be either, because trying to be either is going to drive you uh insane and to M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> Just write what's enjoyable. And yeah, sometimes people aren't going to catch stuff. That's good and expected. But sometimes people are going to see what you're writing down, and that means... Well, they're paying attention. Also, it's it's an infinite monkeys thing, right? This is something with like shows like Lost and stuff uh, got themselves in trouble with of they laid stuff out kind of clearly and then because they did that, people would be able to figure it out and they were obsessed with the audience never being able to figure it out and so they would change their plans if the audience suggested something and that kind of overall hurt the rating.
3: It's like FNAF,
0: you know. I have heard recently that uh, Scott Cawthorn did that, but I am myself not familiar at all
3: with those games. Essentially, you know, yeah, Game Theory guy guessed the plot of his next game and he got so upset, he rewrote the story for the next game. Oh, wait, he actually guessed? (laughs) Yeah, so, right, and so, I, and so, I was going to say it for you, Maya, is that what you said, you know, that right there about doesn't it to be too sly or too obvious? You're so right about it. like that is such a great point to make. Of it does not have to, you know, I was going to get it, and that's okay. Uh, honestly, that's perfectly fine. Um, I think again, an example of two going back to Macbeth and *Oedipus Rex*. Uh, Macbeth especially was meant for both the wealthy and for those who were, you know. In the poorer classes, and appeal to both of those. So you had to be aware of having narrative devices and humor that appeals to both, and the irony he would include. You know, had to be designed in a way that, like, oh, this, there could be a much deeper understanding, but also for those who are not analyzing it as much can still like fully catch on what's going on.
0: Yeah, um, I actually kind of had to come to terms with some of that when upon sharing with a bunch of my friends the works of Brandon Sanderson, they caught a lot more stuff in advance than I ever did. I was just like... Man. That hits that's, me in the ego.
3: That's a, Still avoided the story, right?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's great. And also, they had me sitting there going, there's always another secret. Um, and cackling maniacally at r- random intervals.
3: Yeah, and, and so that is... A lot and that's part of it, right is that when you do a dramatic irony, it doesn't have like you don't have to make sure it's completely understandable as long as it's still enjoyable. And enjoyable just means is that it's you know it's still fun to read, your audience at least says, Oh, that's interesting uh cause then if they find out later what you're doing deeper, their minds will be blown and they'll want to reread the books again re- reread your stories again and start catching those little details
0: absolutely that. The inclusion of details, things, honestly, that I don't catch on the first read, that's what makes me want to reread stuff. Uh, Like the Locked Tomb series, which starts with Gideon the Ninth. I've gone back and reread those books a lot because I want to find more. I, at one point, uh, dug through Gideon to figure out the type of lighting used at a certain scene. So I wanted to figure out what that implied about the world building. If there weren't details that I hadn't caught initially, that I only caught when talking to the books about
3: other people, I wouldn't have done that. Right, no, exactly. Uh, and on another note, I was thinking too, sometimes your story can just be the dramatic irony in waiting for that reveal to actually drop. A great example of that being the Truman Show. For, you know, From the first five minutes, you are aware that you know, this main character Truman's in a TV show and he doesn't know. And the entire movie is watching him figure it out. And so that is a very good movie. If you haven't watched it yet, do so. Uh, But just, you know, the entire movie is just based on this one little piece of dramatic irony that we already know what's happening. We already know, we already think we know what's going to happen. And we're going to see how the character struggles with those challenges and with that, and trying to figure out what's actually going on in his life. And so it is it is it can be really fun just to like write a story based on dramatic irony like just that one little piece of narrative and then base it off from there with your ending being how do they figure it out
0: i'm sorry michael i uh, partly misheard you there at the end and could not stop myself from hearing
3: narrative <laughs> that's okay i'll allow it <laughs> <laughs> narrative it's important <laughs>
0: Uh, Ian and Dylan, do either of you have any uh, advice you'd like to tack on here as well? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know
2: if this is necessarily advice, and if it is, it's not necessarily advice for writers, it's advice for readers. It The most fundamental form of dramatic irony that is present in pretty much every work is that the audience knows what genre the work is in, but the characters do not
3: see what you're saying absolutely, and so just contextualizing your own thoughts for that is very important yeah. yeah, it's um,
0: yeah, sure you can be frustrated at the heroines in a horror movie uh for splitting up, but they don't know they're being stalked by a serial killer, they just know oh. They heard a funky noise. The most effective way to search for it is to have all of us acting independently.
3: I had a thought and I lost it. I guess the best advice, though, for this is don't be afraid to try.
0: That is always good advice.
3: People, you know, you may think, I don't know if what I'm going to write is going to be good enough or if it's going to be, you know, fit this narrative elements when it comes to dramatic irony. But also, too, you don't know till you do it. And so... If you're concerned about it with your Magnum Opus, do it with a tinier piece of work first.
0: Yeah, that, that's definitely something that's um, affected my writing. Is I've I've written a lot because I have this one story that I really want to tell that I've wanted to tell for, gosh, probably eleven ish years now, but I've I've not really been confident enough in my skills to tell that. So I tell the other stories that pop into my head. Uh, and put those down so I get, you know, I get better, I get some practice, and then eventually, hopefully, I'll be able to do that story some justice.
3: Absolutely.
0: All right. That is about all the material we have for today. Ian, do we have anything in the mailbag?
2: Unfortunately, uh, no, we do not. So, if anybody would like to reach out to us... Uh, for instance, to share your favorite examples of dramatic irony and work that you've read or written, Uh, you can shoot us an email. Uh, Our address is fanfictapes at gmail.com. You can also leave a comment on our YouTube channel or leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We always appreciate those. And Maya continues to run our social media presence on Twitter.
0: Uh, That I do. We uh, are... At Fanfic Tapes, with a capital F and capital T on Twitter. Most of the time, the posts on that account are about when episodes go live, with a link to our Spotify page, because I prefer their method of embed, and sometimes a shitpost. That's what happens when you leave a Twitter account in my hands for too long. Michael, do you have anything you'd like to share
3: with our listeners here today? I do not have a social media footprint, do not find me. However... Uh, What I do have to say is be the change you want to see in the world uh, and get busy living or get busy dying. All right. Well, I am
0: and have been Maya. And today I was joined by. I am and always will
2: be Dylan. Uh, I am Michael. Mm -hmm. And I am Ian. Until next time. Bye. (laughs) Bye.